Hello, and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. I'm Joe Devine, and I'm joined now by Alex Stewart. Good morning. And Seb Stafford-Bloor. Hello, Joe Devine. Hi, gang. How's it going? It's okay. Yep. Well, it's a bright and breezy uh, Tuesday morning as we record. Uh, football's happening tomorrow, of course, so don't expect us to talk about that because tomorrow is your yesterday. Uh, but we have got an exciting uh, uh, lineup. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why that made me laugh. <laughs> tomorrow is your yesterday. Sounds like sounds like you're selling a kind of a motivational product, like your tomorrow is your yesterday. It's a, it's a weight loss seminar where you you don't have yeah. to do any work. You know? Yeah, like you know, you've already you, done it. It's like you're recasting yourself as some kind of guru. Yeah, well, recasting or just emphasising mm-hmm. on this. You know, firming say, up. But, uh, you know, other things we're going to firm up today uh, is uh, changing the game. We're going to change the game today. We're going to change the game. So we can change any rule or law within the game today. That's going to be fun. I'm excited about this. Um, before we get to that, uh, we're also going to talk uh, about something we've noticed uh, happening uh, at Premier in Premier League games, free kicks. We're going to kick off talking about that, which is you know, something that's been around for a while, but... Unusual nonetheless. But before all of this, let me, let me remind listeners that if you're looking for something to, you know, while away the hours, locked in your home, and you can't bear to listen to your family members anymore, the novelty's gone. You love these people, and either you're with them because uh, you're related through blood, and there's some kind of social cohesion which makes that a necessary relationship, uh, or, you know, you've chosen a partner and you're kind of sick of them. <laughs> <laughs> but you love them. It's just, this. it was never meant to be like this, yeah? And you don't want to dig into that too deeply uh, for fear of what might happen if you go down that path. So a good tool for distraction is the athletic. Now, if you get the athletic, uh, you will have to have fewer conversations with the people in your home. You'll have to think less about the state of the world, and you'll get to think more about the state of the game and be educated on all kinds of sports, including football, of course, but other sports such as... Uh, Seb, what are the other sports? American football, ice hockey, bit of boxing. And yes, the American sports. All yes, the Americans. Right. Yeah. All of the American. I know we've got Americans listening to this podcast. Americans, you'll be right at home, yeah? And uh, it's really, really can't emphasise the point about um, managing your domestic relationships enough that's it's a tell you what whoo great tool great tool and of course even if you're happy you'll also like it uh, because it's one pound a week and if you visit theathletic.com forward slash tifo uh, you can avail yourselves of that offer alex of course you live with your parents at the moment and i bet you find it a useful tool yeah i do i mean i spend most of my time in my room anyway because i i don't really like anyone because <laughs> you're a teenager <laughs> <laughs> That's what teenagers do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I I listen to Slipknot and Rage Against the World, really, but in a very quiet way. That's the Athletic. Uh, so the Athletic dot com forward slash tifo. Uh, jokes aside, what a fine product. None of that was a joke. No, that's yeah. That's that was all true. entirely serious. Let us begin by discussing the thing we want to talk about at Free Kicks. Now, this is something I I asked Seb to add to the plan, because I know it's been around for a long time, 
and I, I, I you know, I know, uh, I'm sure examples will date back many years, but recently, not sure if it's just me, I've started to notice this happening a lot in Premier League games, and what I'm talking about is a player <clears throat> lying down behind the wall at a free kick, which I, I can't really understand, because uh, I can't remember the last time that I saw a free kick that was hit under a jumping wall, uh, and I would imagine that um, when you only have 10 outfield players, uh, having one of them sort of incapacitated on the floor <laughs> doesn't really make that much sense, unless you, you know, I suppose, unless you know it's definitely going to be a, a shot or a clearable shot or, or whatever. Alex, I thought I'd ask you about this uh, because I, I hope that you've noticed it too. And I, I hope you might explain to me why uh, teams that ordinarily are very good at football are doing this. I, I, there must be a reason. Ordinarily very good at football. Um, yeah, I, that's my value judgment. Yeah, no, uh, I, it makes it makes a lot of sense. Um, so I, I had a look at, at this and I was slightly confused, I have to say. The, the instance where Fred did it against Arsenal, that made more sense because actually I was able to find a number of, of Arsenal free kicks uh, that were taken from a very similar position by either Lacazette or Xhaka. Um, so there was an example against uh, Leicester. There was an example against Spurs where they were in that kind of position and they hit it relatively low, not like actually along the ground, uh, but sort of knee height maybe. But then I found Manchester United doing it in lots of other instances as well. And I went back a year and Manchester United haven't conceded a single goal from a free kick that looks anything like that for the last year. And that's not because they've got a guy in the wall who's blocking those shots. It's like it's just not happening. So I kind of, having reviewed quite a lot of video in, in pursuit of an answer to this, I couldn't really find one. Um, I mean, there's instances of it going back... I, I think the earliest one I found was in 2016 in a Brazilian game. Um, Messi sent a goal under a wall famously and that prompted a couple of teams to do it in La Liga but I just I can't really see a pretext them like you say there must be a reason they must have identified and th this is why I looked at the the Arsenal free kicks because in that situation obviously um you know the, the free kick was quite close to the goal and that made a lot of sense based on how Arsenal had taken their other free kicks so if they'd only done it against Arsenal I would understand that, but Man United were doing it against Fulham. They were doing it against Sheffield United. Like, huh. I don't know. It's it's an odd one. I have to say, it's funny because Fred's pose. Um, I didn't mind. Didn't mind it as much because he he taken some sort of martial arts stance uh, to to get low, but he wasn't it's actually usually lying Fred. down. Fred's usually the guy who does it. That I I found one instance where Donny Van Der Beek did it against Sheffield United. Yeah. Okay. So that probably that probably accounts for twenty percent of his playing time. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's really a lot of experience in the Premier League. Uh, but uh, no, Fred, Fred, had, Fred was still kind of on one foot, one knee. He was doing a you know a strange sort of. Uh, I feel like I'd seen it before in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. You know, mm. some familiarity. But uh, Hector Bellerin uh, did this, I believe, uh, against a Manchester United free kick in the same game. And he he lay down on his side with his with his uh, sort of bottom towards the ball, uh, face towards the goal. That's more common. Where where you find other teams doing it, it tends to be the full lying down. And what's really interesting, I say really interesting. I mean it's not, but <laughs> when when Van der Beek did it against Sheffield United, 
he did the Fred pose as well. Right. So, so they've, cho- they've chosen the pose. They've chosen that the pose is coached, clearly. Otherwise, they wouldn't. I mean, Van der Beek has obviously spent, like you say, 80% of his career at Man United learning how to do a sort of semi-splits behind a wall. Um, <laughs> but the lying down thing is more common because that way you get the proper kind of... I mean, this this is what I don't understand as well. If you're lying down, you can stop a shot that... If you think a, a wall jumping up is going to get like a foot and a half in the air maybe. So a yeah. player lying on the floor genuinely does block the rest of that thing. It effectively extends the wall by a foot and a half. How often free kicks go under walls is, you know, renders it relatively useless, but sure. Yeah, it's but the weird, way United it? do it doesn't seem to make sense because you're not covering as much space horizontally. Um, and there's kind of still a slight gap where you're in that crouching pose. I... I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, well, the data the data's confusing. Seb, uh, let's let's go to anecdotal Seb here. Uncle Seb, old man Seb. <laughs> Maybe he's seen something back in the 2001s that he remembers that uh, he can, you know, he can draw a narrative from. That's your role, isn't it, Seb? What? Uh, what, what? I'm going to slip into my slippers and dressing gown and my old bastard flat cap and tell you that actually I can remember. In fact, the first time I remember seeing it was in a an early version of what is now Pro Evolution Soccer. So back in um, the N64 days when that computer game was called International Superstar Soccer, in I think either the second or third version of the game, you used to be able to kind of do a cheat free kick where you could kind of skim the ball under the wall. Um, yeah. And I don't remember it happening too many times in real life after that. I think I, I saw Ronaldinho do it and everybody losing their mind in the kind of the pre-Twitter world. Messi's done it. Carl Walker did it against Manchester United. Actually, it happened in a Bristol City game a couple of weeks ago. Right. So in my mind, it does, Joe, I, it does happen. But in my mind, it's a it's a deterrent. So it's a this is what we're doing. And even the small percentage of free kick takers who would aim for that kind of free kick don't do it. It forces you to make another decision, right? Or at least it lets the goalkeeper know that it's definitely you don't need to worry. It's about not that. an option. You can kind of take it off the table. I, I feel it does feel a little bit like the kind of the modern version of Robbie Fowler's nose plaster, where <laughs> it's a little bit snake oily, <laughs> and because someone that you've seen doing it is doing it, you should probably also do it. It feels a little bit like that. United do do it in very specific circumstances. In the instances that they do, the ball is almost always no more than two metres, two and a half metres from the edge of the penalty area. Um, and and centrally, like not quite within the width of the goalpost necessarily, but not far either side. So it's not it's not something that's deployed in every instance. It's those very occasional times when the free kick is within this kind of particularly dangerous zone. And I guess that's because they're assuming that they can't get the free kick up and over the wall as effectively. And so hitting it low is potentially an option. So from from that point of view, what Seb says about deterrent does make sense. Um, but most most players who take free kicks will still try and hit it up and over. Well, I guess the other way of looking at it as well is that you're only really going to use that additional player as another number in the wall, right? Because uh, the the assumption is that as and when this does occur, it's always a shot that's taking place. I would have thought 50% of the time uh, that goes wide, 
for a goal kick or over the top of the bar for a goal kick. If not, it bounces off the wall and maybe there's a bit of a scramble, but there's so many bodies in the way still that it's unlikely that you're going to find a route through to goal. So maybe, you know, because my concern is like, I look at that and I think, well, okay, uh, Hector Behrens lying on the floor. How long does it take him to get up? Could he not be have more use elsewhere? Um, but perhaps those sorts of uh, free kicks, maybe the data shows that there's just, there's just really no difference whether he's there or somewhere else. And if a Seb, Seb says it's a kind of um, a deterrent, then uh, you know what we should do? We should we should get uh, uh, the Athletics' Laurie Whitwell to ask Oli Solskjaer next time they do a press conference and just see just see what he says. I would be interested to uh, if you looked at this over a long period of time. I think it describes quite an interesting little squad dynamic. Because you are appointing someone as, you know, liar down in the wall. And that sort of yeah. describes other things that that player can't do. So you, you kind of, either he's not very tall, <laughs> so not of much use in the wall. Or you think, well, you're not brave enough. So your only value in this situation is just to right. lie down as a human You're pointing to a social hierarchy here. An unspoken I, I social so. hierarchy. Also, yeah. give, it, give, it, give it six months until, until someone comes up with a name for it like an Italian name for this, for, for that role in a wall, you know, just as, as long as it ends in a vowel and is fashionable and cool, then that will be good enough. And, and that you'll, you'll, you'll have that sort of, uh, you'll have that role. I'll tell you what we should do. We should, in the TIFO video, we should just, uh, just kind of try to lace the term in there and not, hopefully yeah, nobody knows that we just made it up and see, it just see how possible. far it goes. And then in six months' time, we'll hear Sam Allardyce saying, uh, oh, enough of this Lee Downo, you know, uh, this is a proper football <laughs> club. Uh, but he thinks it's real, the fool. <laughs> the plan. You know, you can really go too far us. in your own head. Ultimate victory. Uh, tell you what, we'll be back after this uh, short break to uh, change the game. We're going to change the game. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing The Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Okay, time to change the game. Easy done. Easily done. Uh, Okay, the rules are as such. You can change any rule or law within the game. It can be macro and deal with the way, for instance, World Cups are awarded. Or it can be as trivial or silly as replacing throw-ins or making the centre circle squad. I don't know what that means. Making the centre circle squad? It was supposed to be making the centre circle square. Like, the centre circle squad sounds like something entirely different, but as we know, Joe... squad instead of square. That's okay. Well, listen, you know, you know, you know me. I will read whatever you put in front of me, even if You're it the, says the Ron making the centre of, uh, circle yeah. squad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, making the centre circle a square. That does sound fun. I quite like that idea. Anything you want. This is Seb talking to us in in note form. As long as they serve the game in some sort of way, or you're able to argue that they have some tenuous benevolence. 
<laughs> okay. So, I thought, uh, we'd have two fun. Each. I thought we'd have a bit of fun. No need it. to it's announce them ahead of time, which was the worst thing you could have possibly written because it meant that I didn't prepare. Uh, uh, but we're going to go to you first, Seb. Uh, and I believe your first one is uh, banning the use of names on the back of shirts and <laughs> squad numbers. You absolute nutter. <laughs> No, no, because it, okay, this is this is why I put that line in about tenuous benevolence. It's because okay. I, I think squad numbers and names on the back of shirts are the root of quite a lot of evil in the game. Not general evil, evil. like I, I'm evil. Yeah, I mean, just okay. Something I don't like about the sport. Okay. Uh, I, I also think I'm a traditionalist. I also think there is a value in the numbers one to eleven. I also, uh, and this is really more of an article than a thing to say out loud in a podcast. I don't like the idea of players owning a number. I think numbers should oh. be shared over time. So one of the things I like about, you know, footballing history is great players to have worn a specific number at a certain club. Um, and whilst I know that multiple players can do that across generations, I like the idea of it just being the shirt and the number. Um, I felt that was... What, so so the shirt a little bit takes more precedence uh, I think so. over, the, over the person. Yeah, I, I think so. And wins. I... I, I, I also find squad numbering in general can be a little bit self-indulgent. Um, I don't like, for instance, squad numbers above 30. I think it's a sure. little bit silly. Uh, they get what too high to read. What about retiring of shirt numbers? Like well, it's... When, yeah, I think, I, I, have Napoli retired the 10, for example? It's It's something that I remember vaguely from Football Manager. You can't assign certain squad numbers because they've been retired. Well, the the thing about that is that it's an it's an American thing, really, the retiring of numbers, um, and it works a little bit better over there because you have many more numbers. So, for instance, I think I'm right in saying that uh, <laughs> they got um, more numbers in America. And I, know, they, they, I knew they had like it, bigger huge food, breakfasts, the, the squads, like, <laughs> the, the squads. <laughs> I didn't know they had more more numbers. That's amazing. That's another reason why you'd love to live there, Joe. They have um, yeah. they have larger squads of participants in oh, different yeah, team yeah, sports. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, for instance, um, when Wayne Gretzky retired, his ninety nine was retired not just it was retired um, NHL wide, which is an amazing honor, and it kind of works because. You can do that with if you're if you're using ninety nine different numbers in a sport, you're not going to miss one of them. Whereas if you said in the whole of the Premier League we're going to retire the number seven, well that's an entirely different situation. But I I like the kind of traditionalism of it. They'd be outraged, but also like I I don't I find the the attachment to individual players a little bit weird. And I know I'm aging myself when I say this, and I know I'm speaking of a growing trend among younger people, but. I find the attachment to individual players instead of teams quite hard to understand. And I feel that in a very, very small part, sort of, you know, the branding of numbers and names, you know, talking about sort of, you know, CR7 type situation. um, I feel that's part of that. Um, Whereas it's a team sport and the team always takes precedence. And it's just something that baffles me. And uh, in whatever little way is available to me, I'm going to rage against it. No, that's fair enough. Fair enough. I guess it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's quite quite nice when you put it that way, isn't it? Because it really, uh, it's a really, it's a real descriptor of the the direction in which uh, football is headed. All personality, all, all character, all, all on brand, isn't it? It's all about the branding. Well, I I would also say at this point that squad numbering in football exists purely to sell shirts. Really, is that um, is that why they changed the rules? 
I don't know if that's specifically the reason they gave, but that is the reason why it exists is because yeah, it's another yeah. product to sell and another way of getting supporters to pay for something. So like if I was a professional footballer, can you imagine how much someone would spend getting my name on the back of their shirts? I mean, like, almost no money at all, I'd say. No, no, but like, well, because I wouldn't you, be a popular you, player. Pers- and no personally, if you were a professional footballer, I would have thought... I would have thought they'd need to have like a, a, a funny number to get people interested in the shirt. Like a, they put 69 on the back of your shirt so that people could ironically buy it and, you know, wear it in in secondary school or whatever it is the kids are doing, weather spoons. No, I know. I, I, I take your point. I take your point. Fine. Uh, if, is this a kind of room one on one on one situation, Seb? Are we putting this in a. Do we put this I in don't, the boat? I don't or? think so. It was more like because it was personal. I don't think we need to tick or cross. Our, our respective ideas. I just that's mine. I, yeah, move I'm, on. I'm I'm happy to tick this one though. Knew you'd be there for me, man. Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, right. Uh, what about you, Alex? What's your first one? So my first one is, and I can't for the life of me remember which game this was recently. Um, but I saw a game where the referee blew for full time just as a team were two on two. Uh, sort of quite deep into the opponent's half. And it was a clear attacking opportunity and the referee blew in the middle of the attack. And that was quite frustrating, obviously, for those players. Um, And I think the reason that it frustrates me is that injury time, in terms of how it's applied, seems relatively arbitrary. And so my rule change would be that... Uh, the game doesn't stop past injury time until the ball has gone out of play. I reckon if you'd watch... Guys, can I break in for an update? My wife has made a contribution to the podcast, uh, which which relates to our previous section. Is this actually an update, or is this just uh, your wife dragging us backwards in conversation? No, 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 no. (laughs) She says the the lying down role in a wall in Italian football, there's a commentator who calls it the draft excluder. Uh, and it is actually an Italian word for it, which and like to to Italian listeners, uh, to Italian speakers, I, I really I apologise for my pronunciation, but the Italian word is Paris Paris Piferi. Paris Piferi. Oh, yeah. I like that. Oh, thanks to Jalen. I, I didn't. Well, I mean, I did mean to be derogatory, but uh, <clears throat> that was a valuable update. Let's say a dynamite drop in from uh, from the way. I'll never question your uh, your ability to know when to stop us talking again, Seb. That was a good no, one. Well she, actually, she's got a face now which suggests that she's got something wrong. Oh, it was an English commentator. Oh. An English commentator came up with the uh, the name, and then she googled it in Italian. Um, see, our podcast distracts my wife from her work, so. <laughs> If the wrong people get hold of that, I suggest, I, I suspect we'll start seeing that all over social media before too long, you know. I hope so. Let's put Actually. it in the TIFO video. Hey, uh, Seb's wife, Jalen, thanks very much for your uh, contribution. She yeah, I was wrong. your thanks. Yeah, you were. Good. Okay. Fine. Now, uh, now that, uh, now that uh, people have stopped interrupting, we can carry on with, <laughs> I can't even remember what we were talking about. That's the problem with interruptions, isn't it? You, they just, they, they, you go off on a little tangent if you've got a brain like mine and then you go into the spoon thing. Saying, yeah, hmm? I, I, I made a suggestion. Oh, yeah, that was a really good suggestion. I've forgotten what it was. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm sorry, what was it? Alex. 
It's almost like it made no impact shall at all. I, what, what, what was it? Shall I, shall I repeat it, or should we just yeah. move on? I, mean, yeah, I, I don't really care me. at this point. Let's play um, a game where you just say one word at a go until we remember, and we'll see how long yeah. it takes us to recall. Okay. The... No, that's that's nope. a, no, 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 no. Okay, no. whistle, whistleblowers, whistle. Uh, oh, shit. it's the you, you you want you want referees stop breaking up. Ah, oh, there we go. Yes, yes. No, I like that one. I think that's good. The the ball the ball uh, until the ball goes out. What I was going to say before before um, Jalen uh, in, interrupted with her valid uh, participation was uh, imagine a Barcelona team, a Pep Guardiola Barcelona team in twenty eleven. Uh, how much stoppage time there may have been? What do you think about that? Would, would that would that cause you to rethink, Alex? Well, no, because I think there's there's if if a team is winning, right, then it's entirely within their interest to just kick it out once you've got to the end of injury time. That so the referee, that maybe yeah. that maybe there'd be a klaxon or something. I think in rugby, two whistles. It, it, well, so in rugby they use it like a, a like a big. I I don't want to say it. They, they a klaxon um, that signals the the time not after to wh- say a horn so that Joe I goes am, down that rabbit hole again. Okay. That's exactly what I'm trying not to do. But but you did it like anyway. Um, yeah. And it and it will it can produce in in rugby certainly uh, really really amazing moments. So I'm thinking particularly of when Japan beat South Africa in the 2015 World Cup and had a good five or six minutes of, of uninterrupted attacking where they retained possession before finally scoring a try to win the biggest upset in Rugby World Cup history. Now, I'm not saying that that would necessarily happen in football, but it would allow teams to see attacks through. Um, the The winning side wouldn't hold on to the ball unnecessarily because there'd be no need to because they'd be winning. Uh, and the opposition might have the chance to hold on to possession and construct an attack, which they'd want to do meaningfully, because if you're just passing the ball around, it's very, very easy to then kind of hoon into somebody and force the ball out. I, I guess if a free kick or a corner uh, was won, then it would continue for that free kick, and then the next time it would go... So, yes, I mean, it it could extend things a little bit, but I think football is sufficiently dynamic uh, that it wouldn't be a massive problem. It just seems to be really unfair because of the way injury time is applied in a slightly arbitrary fashion. It seems unfair that certain teams have really good opportunities in attack, sometimes that could be to win or draw a game, cut off for no particular reason. I I, I really like this idea. It drives me crazy. It's like when when you see a a corner conceded uh, and referee decides there's no time to take it. It just feels like an authority grab, um, and there's I I think it's from 1978. There was a very very famous incident where um, Brazil were playing Sweden in uh, in the World Cup, and Zico scored from a corner, and the referee um, referee blew for full time between the corner being taken and the goal being scored. Um, <laughs> referee called Clive Thomas. Um, forgive me if that's wrong but yeah uh, and it's just like you, you think that's a moment where you want to make yourself the centre of attention it's where you want to kind of show that you're in charge it drives me crazy that kind of thing if I had someone to go into I'd put it in how about that even though I forgot it it's probably because it was such a good idea Alex that it just made sense it should, just should have been what happens already which is why it just slipped out of my mind you know what I'm saying um, anyway I've got mine now are you ready for mine tell me about yours well, I've just thought of mine. 
But I think it might be one of the best things I've ever thought of. So here we go. International teams aren't just made up of people who are from those nations or have, you know, citizenship of those nations. They can play for anyone, but there's no money, absolutely no money involved. Uh, and you just pick. And you can change. Who, 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 what, the player picks who you get to represent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you pick twice, basically. You won your 18... You can pick uh, one of them, and then uh, when you're 26, you get a choice to change if you want. But wouldn't it. that mean that all the players choose the countries with the best resources? Um, well, I didn't say I'd thought my idea through. <laughs> <laughs> and I said there was no money, so maybe the idea is they, um, they all have to use the same... Standard of training ground. There's a sort or... of homogenous training situation that's policed by some kind of secret FIFA something. There's a draft system. A player, a player accrues enough points within their league to be considered of international quality. And then they're just drafted into a random country. You know? And if they play well, they could apply for citizenship there. You know, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Is, Who the is what, there sorry? some sort of, like, galactic council that that arbitrates this. Well, I was or... going to say this. It assumes we've we've uh, you know reached the point of singularity, obviously, right? Because th this sort of thing wouldn't be possible if we didn't have um, working and uh, contributing uh, artificial intelligence. But that you know goes without goes without saying, really, for most of most of my ideas. Uh, that's why I, I was born in the wrong era. If I was born a hundred years in the future, I'd be a millionaire. But now I'm just a lowly. Uh, TIFO podcast host, you know. So that was my idea. Um, I'll think of another one by the time it gets back to me, if you want. <laughs> so, Seb, do you want to go to your two? I want to change the size of the quadrant by the corner flag because Ooh. here's why. So corners are a huge letdown. If you think about the, the excitement that greets a corner versus the reality of the corner being taken and inevitably cleared or clattering into the first man i think a way to not solve that but to make it a little bit more interesting is to dramatically um broaden the kind of the the area from which the corner is taken so if you were to make the quadrant five six times the size that it is now extend it out not only are you making it a little bit closer you're also changing the kind of the, the angles from which the corner is delivered so you make it a little bit harder to defend and i think that'd be quite interesting it, it would make it more of a it, it would pitch it somewhere between what a corner is now and what a really good position for an attacking free kick is. I think that would be quite interesting. I really like that idea. That's a good idea. Um, Alex, have you got any thoughts on that idea? I mean, I think anything that, that makes football slightly more high scoring, or rather not even that, that, that requires teams to think more creatively about their use of set pieces or their defending of set pieces is a good idea. Um, because set pieces are still an area where teams that can afford to invest a lot of money in set piece coaching, sometimes not even that much money, but but that prioritise it, do have an edge. And this might encourage other teams to think about that part of the game more. Um, so I'm I'm in favour of it. Okay, I think that one goes that one goes straight in. Uh, that was a pretty short one, Seb. But I mean, there doesn't seem to be any argument from us. Feels like a success then. Okay. 
Okay, well, that's a new feeling for you, isn't it? Um, Alex, what's your uh, what's your second one? Um, so my my second one is is twofold. Um, basically, it all relates to revamping European competition. Um, oh, hello. In that, I I want to decrease the number of Champions League slots available for the bigger nations, and I right. also want to stop teams that come out of the Champions League group stage in third entering the Europa League. Well, it's safe to say that UEFA are never going to offer you a job. No, that's that's true for probably many reasons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not least a background check. But yeah, yeah. I, I I just I feel like there's there's a really good book and I can't remember what it's called, but it's a it's a history the of the Yes. It's a yes. history of Christianity. Um, yes. No, it, it's a it's a history of the the Cup Winners' Cup. It was done by I want to say Pitch Publishing, but I can't it's remember the author. Forgive me. Where the cool kids are, or something like that. I think it, it is called something like that. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and there's something kind of wonderfully nostalgic, both about that era because you had teams from behind the Iron Curtain and that kind of stuff, but also just. I think the great thing about European competition is when it pitches quite small teams against bigger teams or when teams progress uh, from a nation where you're unfamiliar with that team and you get to see some interesting footballers, interesting tactics, that kind of stuff. And everything about the way European competition is set up is to uh, hegemonize five main leagues uh, and the clubs within those leagues. And it, it stops the diversity coming through. It stops you being able to enjoy runs from teams that's unexpected. It would allow those teams a bit more financial parity if they did well. And so it would improve the quality of the competition overall. Um, and it would also offer a shop window for some of those players maybe to move on to other teams. I quite like that. Sounds like you've thought it through. I quite like that. That goes in the box. I haven't had anything not go in the box yet, have we? Oh, wait. My idea didn't go in the box. <laughs> no, I did. <laughs> what was your idea again? Uh, oh, players can play for anyone wherever they want. Twice oh, yeah. Career, well, I, once we get to the point where there's a Galactic Council, it'll be yeah. great. Yeah. I've got my next one now. Are you ready for this one? Let's Can't it. wait. It needs a little bit of... You know that trailer music? In a world where... The attitude towards drugs is more lenient, and people are happy <laughs> to, uh, you know, watch stuff that uh, previous sort of, uh, you know, civilizations might have thought was immoral. <laughs> but pornography, not pornography. Uh, drugs. Let's have a doping league. Fuck it. Yeah, Why I've not? had this idea before. This is a good one. Let's just have a league where it's all fine. Do whatever you want. Be as creative as you want. Uh, obviously, try not to hurt yourself, you know, but uh, do as much doping as you would like to. And let's all just accept that in this league, you got to have the monies to compete because obviously it's it's a, it's about resources at this point. Um, and, and just embrace it and let it go. Uh, and th th there'll be two benefits to this. One, it would be really funny to watch uh, and possibly see, you know, the lack of difference to normal football because... <laughs> and two, um, it'd give us like really good uh, uh, experience of, of top of the line doping because if there were genuine uh, financial um, 
uh, motivations behind uh, this doping league, uh, then you know you'd see all of the doping come out in the open. It's a bit like uh, it's a bit like Hamsterdam in the wire, isn't it? It's a bit like uh, let's let, let, let's let, let's take the rock off this and have a look at it and let let all the ants be safe. Um, and then we'll watch them move. And uh, I feel like it would uh, it would make anti-doping efforts elsewhere in the world a lot easier, uh, and it would bring that that uh, category on miles and miles and miles. I would imagine. Um, did you? Um, and you know, that would be great. Did you fun, watch to the end of the Hamstam episode of The Wire? I feel like you haven't. Like I feel like you watched like, forty <laughs> minutes of it, and then you didn't. Watch You've the missed last bit. the major point. No, it, was a, it, was a, it was a great success, wasn't it? I think it was. Um, well, until it got. I, th- I mean, I went back to my my and uh, bubbles. His little my, friend was found dead in one of the houses, and. You know. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, no, no he was. He was. That. He was. No, he no, 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 no. Shut up now. Shut up. <laughs> hey, hmm. listen. So there's some memories that we don't stir. Okay, sir. There's some things we leave, leave in the abandoned homes of the Hamsterdam. Area. The vacants. The vacants. The vacants. The vacants. Oh, it's a fucking great program, isn't it? That is. That. Do you know what? That's the best program. And I don't care what people say about other things. I've been re-watching Breaking Bad uh, because my partner's never seen it, so we're watching it together. And it's fun, and it's plot-driven, and whatever. But, uh, you know, it doesn't at any point make any kind of statement about anything outside of the personal lives of these people who are actually kind of boring and vacuous. Uh, And The Wire does that, and uh, people who say that Breaking Bad is better don't know what they're talking about and or... Uh, don't care about the world. How about that? How about that, that listeners? I will die on that hill. I love Breaking Bad, but then there's all the TV programs that I love, and then there's about uh, there's a big chasm all the way yeah. up to the wire, which sits by itself. It's just yeah. brilliant. Because what Absolutely what does brilliant. Breaking Bad actually say? It doesn't say anything. It doesn't say. It just says, "Hey, this guy, well, this guy Heisenberg, he's a badass. Oh, he's a geek. He's a badass. Oh, look, his wife's really good now. Oh, they're all." That, and it's, hey, don't get me wrong. I really like it. it. Gets me excited, and I think, oh, go on, go on, Walt, uh, melt him it's in the, in the it's, acid it's, bunker. It's great TV, but it's like it doesn't say anything. The Wire says something about uh, the world. You also yeah. every, every time you rewatch The Wire, you notice something new. What oh, I man. what I love about The Wire as well is is the the way that the character arcs are written across five series rather than one. Yeah. So characters come in and out of relevance or reappear, and all those little moments, like uh, where who's the captain who's always giving McNulty loads of or major rules, rules, like where rules, rules pops rules. up in the in the <laughs> in the gay club for thirty seconds, just and in then the that's background, never mentioned again, never really mentioned weird. again, but it yeah. contextualizes some stuff and just these tiny little details. It's it's just oh, it's, it's the best. Yeah, it's the it best. is the best. It is the best. Yeah. And as I say, people who think uh, it's not. <laughs> but no, people who think Breaking Bad is better uh, either are just into different types of uh, ideas or don't know what ideas are. I only got about three episodes into Breaking Bad and found it really quite dull. Uh, it's fun. I, well, it's I disagree with that. I, 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 it's, a good, it's a good show. It's just not. The same kind of show, yeah. in my mind. You disagree with how I found it? That's bold. Yes. No, no, that's true. <laughs> that's, that's how it works. No, no, no I, I, I do. You didn't I, find it boring. <laughs> I, I feel I, I feel, feel like... <laughs> you loved it. You just didn't realise. You're confused, Alex. You said the same thing last week. 
Um, Think about listen, it again more closely. It, it, it's these things. These things are all truths. Um, but we, we should uh, we should come to an end now because I feel that uh, we've we've reached the end of. Uh, come, oh, does my doping one go in? Yeah, because I, I I think you could extend it out as well. I think you could also apply the oh. same um, theory to, for instance, 100 meters at the Olympics. Like you could have a parallel yeah, game yes, where you could just see what happened. Maybe Fair we should start the federation. You will. No, I, I don't want us to endorse doping. Like as a podcast, Do- I think that we could call it Dopifa or Tipos. <laughs> it's not going to work. I, I, no I one's, just, gonna, one's having it. <laughs> I have I have health concerns. Yeah. Do you? For sure. What personal health concerns? Uh, <laughs> well, well, no, maybe I we mean, talk about that off air, Alex. I think okay, that's another okay. place. Um, Thank you. Okay. Well, You're listen. So caring. Uh, I know. Uh, well, listen. Thanks to everyone, uh, all of the Tipos for listening today, uh, or the Flute Gang, or just the ordinary person who doesn't wish to have a collective noun applied to them. Thanks for listening, um, uh, Alex Stewart. Uh, thanks to you, and sorry to hear about your health concerns. That's that's fine. Thank you, Joe, for your support and your consideration. Yes. You're welcome. And Seb Stafford Bloor, uh, thanks to your wife. She thanks you right back. Well, I know she didn't really, but that's appreciated. We'll be back next week with uh, with uh, something else uh, that's basically the same, but not uh, in all of its uh, content. Thank you. Thank you.